Well, uh, I wanted to start off this evening um, saying thank you to all the parents, the parent team, all the uh, parents uh, involved with this evening. I appreciate so much um, your hard work, your willingness, the decorations. Um, I'm always impressed with the tables um, that I know these grads decorated all on their own, and they put all the effort into all by themselves, right? And the parents are like, what? Um, no, I certainly appreciate uh, y'all's help and all of that. It, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen without you. Um, this evening, I, I wanted to take y'all back uh, about a decade ish uh, to the year 2008, uh, the 2008 Summer Olympics, in fact, uh, that took place in Beijing. Um, no doubt you remember some of the the big big headlines, uh, big stories uh, that came out of the uh, Olympics there in Beijing. Uh, like for example, uh, this guy. Um, you you probably know about swimmer Michael Phelps, how he had just completely dominated uh, the swimming scene there. He won eight gold medals. Um, raise your hand if you remember when he won the 100-meter butterfly by .01. That's one one-hundredth of a second. How many of y'all remember that race, okay? How many of y'all remember his relay race with his team that come from behind win? Some of you remember that as well. Yeah, the huge story of him winning those gold medals. Um, maybe you recognize this next guy there, okay? His name is Usain Bolt. Um, so there in 2008, I mean, he literally ran away with the track and he- uh, field headlines uh, that year. Uh, he just completely shattered both the 100-meter and 200-meter um, dash uh, world records, just completely uh, demolished them, the r- records that were then at that time. Uh, and he, but he was crazy to watch. I mean, he made it look like, like a cakewalk, like he was just jogging uh, down the track and everybody else is huffing and puffing. Um, it was amazing to watch him run. Um, there was another a pretty crazy story um, that happened here during these Olympics, but but one that we don't really remember, at least we don't really want to remember it, and, and there's a specific reason for that. Um, it had to do with both the men's and the women's, the, the USA, men's and women's, um, four by 100 meter relay races, okay? That'd be the sprint relay, four people, one time around the track, Okay. Um, the U.S. had dominated in this event for, for years. And both the men's team and the women's team, they were by far the favorites to win the gold medal at these Olympic Games. But for the very first time in modern Olympic history, both teams, men's and women's, they didn't even make it to the finals. Does anybody happen to remember why? Maybe give me a yes if you remember why. If you don't remember why, I'll show you these pictures. And and if you can't really tell from these pictures, we might need to dim the lights a little bit more up front here so they can see. But I, I've gone ahead and thrown in there a oops. Do you see what they dropped while they were running? They dropped the baton that they were in charge of passing to one another in their race. Um, The reason they didn't make it to the finals, like I said, is because they dropped their baton uh, during particular exchanges, during their preliminary heats. And so tonight, I I wanted to talk a little bit more about this idea of passing the baton, Um, but not just simply passing it, but actually making a good 
handoff. Um, tonight, we, of course, we are honoring, we're celebrating our graduating senior class as they celebrate uh, this, this very important milestone in their lives. I mean, graduation, it, it does mark a major transition moment for them and for their families. Um, I think in some ways, it, it kind of marks the end of, of one leg of the race and the beginning of another leg of the race. It also marks an important moment of, of empowerment by, you know, they're reaching the age of 18, they're moving on into young adulthood. Um, here in just a few short months, you know, after they graduate, these students, I mean, some of them are moving on to college, some will enter the workforce, some will enter the military, marking a transition even further toward individual responsibility in their lives. So to put it another way, we are in a season of handing off the baton to these kids and encouraging them to, to go for it, to press on. And this sounds a lot like what was happening uh, in the Apostle Paul's second letter to his young protege, uh, Timothy. In 2 Timothy 2, uh, verses 1 and 2, and you're welcome to turn there uh, if, if you would like. I'll have it up here on the screen. But in 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, he writes, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Um, one translation, it, it says there at the end of verse 2, it says, Teach these truths to other tr- trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. I kind of like the way it was translated there, to pass them on to others. I mean, you can just, you can sort of just hear this relay race language, um, in, in this particular passage here. Now, I'll kind of highlight a few places up there. You might be able to see it. But it, it's like Paul, he's the first leg of, of the relay race. He's the first leg, you know, going around a quarter of the track there. And of course, then he hands off the baton to Timothy. And he says there, the things you have heard me say. And so he hands off that baton to Timothy for the second leg of the race. And so Timothy, he starts running. He takes that baton. And then Timothy, he's going to hand it off in, to the third leg of the race, which are those, those reliable men or those other people who are being entrusted with that baton. And then, of course, then they're running the, the third leg and they're nearing the, the last stretch there. And they're going to hand that baton off to others when it says there that they're, they're teaching others. I mean, you can just hear this relay race language going on here with, with Paul. And, and I love that picture that he creates. And, and in a lot of ways, it's exactly what the church should be all about. You know, you, you think about these graduates or you think about any of the youth group, really you think about any of the, any of the kids that we, we have here at our church. Um, as a church, we should be coming alongside their parents. We should be encouraging the parents to move past a religion and into a deeper, more authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. And then from there, they're handing off the baton to their children. 
who are taking and, and running with it, handing it off to their children and to others who they meet out in the world. But sadly, something has happened along the way. I'm not talking just necessarily north side. I'm just talking at the church world in large. I think something has happened. There have been far too many bad handoffs and dropped batons along the way just over many years. So what can we do to ensure that a Second Timothy 2 verse 2 mentality is going to prevail? What can we do to help set up this generation for success with the next generation? Now, this is going to sound a, a bit strange um, for, for you all tonight, but, but I think we can actually find a few lessons um, in regards to making good spiritual handoffs um, from within the actual rule book that governs track and field relay races. Um, and so what I wanted to do is, is I want to show you three actual, I mean, these are real-life rules from the USATF, that's United States of America Track and Field, relay race handbook or rule book, um, and how these things might point us towards making better spiritual handoffs. Now, quick disclaimer, as, as I see a few scowls, um, I need you to bear with me on this, okay? I'm not suggesting that we toss out Scripture and start living by a track and field handbook or rule book, okay? I'm not suggesting that in, at all. I'm referring to a few of these rules simply to illustrate um, some thoughts that I have in regards to making good spiritual handoffs. All right, so the first rule, and actually all of these rules, they in the rule book, they're rule number 170. Yeah, there's 170 of them. Um, but there's different articles under each one. So this one happens to be from Article 4. So again, the USATF uh, Relay Race Handbook here. This is Rule 170, Article 4. It says, the baton shall be a smooth, hollow, circular tube made of wood, metal, or other rigid material in one piece, Its length shall be between 28 and 30 centimeters. Its outside diameter shall be 4 centimeters. And it shall weigh not less than 50 grams. No material or substance may be applied to the baton. All right, so there's that rule for you. And so here's my first thought in regards to this rule and making good spiritual handoffs. Number one, it has to be the right baton. That's essentially what this rule is talking about. It's describing the baton. And so, of course, that brings up the question for us, okay, well, what is our baton? What are we talking about here, Mike? I know you're not talking about a you know, hunk of wood or metal or something here. What is our baton? Well, the answer is faith in Jesus Christ through the gospel message. That is the baton that we are passing on to others. Faith in Jesus Christ, an authentic faith in Jesus Christ through the gospel. Romans 10, verse 17, it says, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. You see, when it comes to investing in others, especially in our teenagers, far too often we get focused on a lot of other things. Um, and these things, I mean, in and of themselves, they may be, they may be good things that we're thinking about and focusing on, but they aren't the right things. We want our kids to have good behavior in school. We want them to have strong grades. We want them to have athletic success. You know, especially with talking about graduates, we want them to get some scholarships for school. I mean, the, again, these things, they're, they're, in and of themselves, they're good things, 
But, but maybe they're, they're not the right things that we should be focusing on. So, so I want you to hear me on this. Sometimes we get so focused on the good things that we lose sight of the God things. Teens, y'all can tweet that out, by the way, if you want. Um, sometimes we get so focused on the good things that we lose sight of the God things. It's, it's kind of like um, what happened with Mary and Martha, you know, when Jesus came over to visit them in Luke chapter 10. Um, Luke records for us that Martha says she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Did you hear that word? She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And then, of course, she becomes angry with her sister. She becomes upset with Mary, and she goes and tattletales to Jesus and, and says, tell my sister to help me. And how did Jesus respond? Do you remember? He said, Martha, you're worried about many things, but only one thing is needed. And then check this out. He says, Mary has chosen what is better. I mean, what Martha was doing wasn't bad. I mean, they were good things, making meal preparations or whatever she was doing, setting the table or something. But for Jesus, only one thing truly mattered then, and Mary had chosen what was better. So like I said, sometimes we get so focused on the good things that we lose sight of the God things, and we end up dropping the baton. So knowing and realizing what the baton is and that it is very important and that we shouldn't take this lightly. Let's move on to our next rule here. It's, it's rule 170 again, but this time it's article three in there. Okay, so the rule book says each takeover, that, that's the handoff zone. So each handoff zone shall be 30 meters long, of which the scratch line is 20 meters from the start of the zone. The zones shall start and finish at the edges of the zone lines near the start line in the running direction. How many of you are confused by all that? Yep, I'm seeing some hands. All right, yeah. Okay, now that you're all good and confused, let me, let me give you the second thought that I, I gained from this rule here, all right? Thought number two, the space in which you have to pass the baton is limited. The space that you have to pass that baton is limited. Essentially what this rule is talking about, it's fairly simple, is that there are lines drawn within each of those running lanes, okay? There are lines that indicate the handoff zone, okay? That area marks the spot where the incoming runner has to hand off the baton to the next runner um, in order to continue the race. They have to get it done within a little zone there, okay? Of course, um, if they if they don't do that, if they fail to hand off, if they go beyond the zone, if they drop the baton and something happens there, it's game over. Okay, that's that's they're, they're done, they're out. Parents, if I may, and, and I'm not just talking parents of graduates, but just if you're a parent in this room, um, I need to talk to you specifically for a moment here about about time management, about priorities a little bit. Um. You know, I've gone through a couple of these graduation seasons now, and, and it's very interesting when I interact with parents and even with, with anybody. Um, I often hear this phrase, and maybe some of you have been hearing it today. Uh, they say, they grow up so fast. You know, they're talking about these graduates. They grow up so fast. I mean, especially for me, you know, I have two little ones at home, and I hear this phrase a lot. 
They grow up so fast. I, and I know there's a lot of truth in that. They do grow up very fast. But here's the fact, parents. The fact of the matter is that there is a day coming where your child or your children, they are going to head out on their own. They are going to leave the nest. I mean, you're going to have to face that at some point. You're going to have to wrestle with that for a little bit. But there is a day coming when your child is going to leave the home. They're going to leave the handoff zone. Okay? is kind of what I'm getting at here. So you have to make the most of the time that you have with them. Um, uh, an author who, who I often follow, and he's also a speaker. He's the director of family ministries for North Point Church. His name is Reggie Joyner. He encourages parents to create some sort of visual representation of a countdown. He talks about getting a big old jar of marbles. Um, but he, he encourages parents to have some sort of countdown um, leading up to when their child turns 18 or graduates high school or is about to leave the home. Um, and in, in one of his books, he, he wrote, uh, or, or I'm quoting him here, he wrote, When you see how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time you have now. Having that visual representation, I, I encourage you parents to do it, especially if you've got young kids starting now. Have a visual countdown um, knowing Here's how much time I've got with them now. And, and once you realize how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time you have. Um, this brings, at least to me, this brings a whole new meaning to the psalmist uh, when he wrote in Psalm 90, verse 12, Teach us to number our days aright so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, perhaps it's teach us to count down the days until our kids leave the house so that we can help them have a heart of wisdom. So parents, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. There may be nothing more spiritually valuable to your child's life than your presence while they are still present. Okay? Now, let me be clear on this. I'm not saying that the the window of faith formation for kids or really anyone for that matter has some sort of age limit to it or or just a time limit. But but what I am saying is... um, there is, in fact, a window of greatest opportunity where you as a parent can have the highest amount of time and influence in order to impact your child's faith. So take advantage of that. Lean into that. Use and make the most of the time that you have. Well, of course, at this point, you know, especially a lot of the parents of these graduates, they're sitting there shaking their heads and saying, well, thanks a lot, Mike. Um, it's a little too late for me now. You know, a kid's about to graduate. I, I must have, I blew it, you know, and uh, my time is up here. Well, this leads into our final rule then for the evening. It's still Rule 170, but Article 15 in there. It says, the baton shall be carried by hand throughout the race if dropped. It shall be recovered by the runner who dropped it. He or she may leave the assigned lane to retrieve the baton, provided that no other runner is impeded, and by doing so, the distance to be covered is not lessened. All right, so the final thought then for this evening, thought number three, a dropped baton is not the end of the race. You see, I I used to think that a dropped baton, that it just meant immediate disqualification, Well, of course, 
according to the rule, if you're impeding another runner, you know, or if you're doing, you know, something shady, you know, that you're, you know, going to try to shorten the length of the track that you're having to run, I mean, yeah, you're going to be disqualified. But simply dropping a baton, simply making that mistake, um, no, you can still pick it up. And you can still run with it. You can still hand it off. So church, what I'm saying is there's still hope. So what does this have to do with spiritual transitions? I just want to, want to give a little bit more doom and gloom. I hate, I hate doing that. Um, but over the past few decades, there has been extensive research done, books written, blogs composed, all telling us, the church, that youth group kiddos, that they are abandoning the faith during their college years. Um, the current statistic out there from Barna Group is 60% of graduates who were once involved in a youth group will fail to stick to their faith during their, their early 20s. 60%. That, that statistic is concerning to me. It's a legitimate concern and, and one that is actually very personal for me. Um, I have three older siblings who fall into that category. So in my family, it was 75%. Um, and I hope that it would be an alarming statistic for you, church, one, one that you would be concerned with as well. Um, unfortunately, and this is where I'm going with it, rather than focusing on, on fixing the issue, we sometimes just kind of talk about the issue. Um, we, we like to play the, the blame game sometimes, and, and it can be frustrating as, as parents or as just church members, church leaders. Um, it, it's kind of like, you know, in using the baton metaphor, imagine a relay race team. With, there's a you know, drop baton down there on the ground, and, and everyone is just standing around it, looking at it, staring at it. And then, well, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. Well, who's going to pick it up? And they just kind of stand around and talk about it. Well, how ridiculous would that be to see that happening in a relay race? I imagine that's sometimes kind of how we handle things, and all the while, there is still a race going on around us. Um, well, what if we were to stop talking about the drop baton and just start walking toward that baton? What if we actually just picked it up, took the initiative and said, I'm going to pick this baton up, and I'm going to hand it off. I'm going to pass it along. So to those of you in the room this evening who maybe you fumbled the baton as you were trying and attempting to pass it, you know, you feel like you've messed up, you, you feel like you, you made a mistake. Like I said, I want you to know there is still hope. Start by picking it up. Simply go and pick that up. Make sure you are following Christ to make sure that you have that authentic relationship with him. Shake the dirt off of the track and just go hand it off to somebody. To those of you in the room this evening, you know, you've received the baton, but then you just kind of became careless with it. You, you dropped it somewhere along the way back there and you maybe didn't even realize you did. Again, there is still hope. Just go back and pick that thing up and get back in the race. Because somebody is waiting for you down the track, ready for you to hand that baton off to them. Um, to those of you in the room this evening who, you know, maybe you're currently carrying the baton. You have it in hand. Perhaps you're about to enter a handoff zone. Uh, you need to ask yourself that question of, who am I handing this off to? Who needs what I have? 
realize how important that baton is and how desperately other people need it. So, graduates, as you have been in a handoff zone for quite a while now, you have been receiving the baton, whether from your parents, whether from grandparents or prayer pal, uh, whomever in your life who has helped build and shape your faith, I want you to understand that baton is meant to be carried. It's also meant to be handed off to others. So I want to leave you this evening with the words of Paul from Philippians 3. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage you, graduates, parents, Christians, press on. Um, Instead um, of our traditional uh, time of response and invitation, If you have a need of any kind, um, then I want to invite you at this time um, to locate one of the elders or ministers or maybe a trusted friend right after services tonight. Find one of them, um, and, and I know that they would be happy to pray with you for whatever your need is, but we won't have a traditional time of response. Um, actually, what we are going to do now is we have just a couple of more songs that Ryan is going to lead us in. Um, and after those songs, I'll come back up here for our recognition ceremony. So let's stand for these two songs as Ryan comes and leads us in those. I stand to praise you, but I fall on my knees.
So as a way to recognize and to highlight these students who will soon be graduating from high school, uh, we've organized a little gift-giving ceremony. Uh, Mr. Clayton McCullough is going to help me in handing out uh, the gifts from the youth ministry to each of the graduates. Um, so graduates, as I call your name, um, you're going to make your way in front here to Clayton, receive your gift, and then come up on stage and line up here behind me. Um, I want to ask that everyone hold your applause until the graduates have all gathered up here on stage behind me. That way, as I'm kind of reading through their, their bios uh, a little bit and they're making their way up here, you can kind of hear that information as well. Um, so, all right, let's, let's start with our very first graduate, Katie Brooks. Katie is the, there we go. Katie is the daughter uh, of Mark and Annette Brooks. Uh, she has two younger sisters, Hannah and Jada. 
Uh, Katie will be graduating in the top 10% of her class from the Lawrence Virtual High School. Uh, she's been a member of the National Honor Society as well as a uh, Kansas Honor Scholar. Uh, she will enter Butler Community College this fall as a sophomore with plans to attend for a year before transferring to either Oklahoma Christian or Wichita State. Uh, she is considering pursuing a degree in business. Uh, she says her most treasured memories of youth group were the bus rides to and from Winterfest and teen camp because of the quality time she got to spend with others. Katie Brooks. Our next graduate is Grace Campbell. Grace is the daughter of Luke and Jennifer Campbell. She has one older sibling, Blanca, and two younger siblings, Austin and Cassidy. Grace will be graduating from Heights High School here in Wichita, where she has participated in choir all four years, uh, madrigals one year, circle of friends one year, uh, and has been a member of the National Honor Society for two years. Uh, She plans to attend Wichita State University. Uh, Some words of advice that Grace would like to give to the youth group is to keep your priorities focused on God and what you can do to expand his kingdom. Did you read, did you read my notes from the sermon? No, okay. Um, she says, set your hearts on things above and everything else will fall into place. Grace Campbell. Our next graduate is Chris Davis. Chris is the oldest child of Brent and Tinka Davis. He has one younger sibling, Catherine, or Cat as we call her. Um, Chris is graduating from the Classical School of Wichita, uh, where he has played a variety of sports, as well as been involved in choir, Scholars Bowl, and public speaking. Uh, He has also received awards, such as being a National Merit Commended Student and Kansas ACT Scholar. Uh, Chris plans to attend King's College in New York City uh, this fall, where he will major in Politics, Philosophy, Economics, or PPE. I guess it's like a triple major, um, with a minor in film. Uh, some words of advice that Chris would like to give to the youth group <clears throat> is to always be prepared to give the reason for the hope you have, like First Peter 3.15 says. Uh, defeat the statistics and stereotypes of your generation by loving God, loving others, and following Jesus in this crazy journey called life. Chris Davis. Our next graduate is Kaylee Decker. Kaylee is the oldest daughter of Wes and Amy Decker. She has one older brother, Ryan, and two younger sisters, uh, Brianna and Tessa. Kaylee is graduating from Brookside Christian Academy. During her high school years, she has been able to share Jesus and bless others through her gift of music and performing at various venues. Um, She is always looking for opportunities to live out her faith and to encourage others in their Christian walk. Uh, As far as future plans, Kaylee wants to continue doing what she loves through music, photography, uh, and promoting the Wichita community through social media. Um, She says her most treasured memories of Northside are participating in small groups, uh, doing Wichita work camp with her dad, and getting to take pictures at church events and of new members. Kaylee Decker. Our next graduate is Emma Dunham. Emma is the oldest child of John and Lori Dunham. She has one brother, Grant, and one sister, Macy. Uh, Emma will be graduating with a 4.0 GPA from Trinity Academy, where she has also been involved in National Honor Society, choir, and cross country. Uh, She has plans to attend Oklahoma Christian University this fall, where she will major in elementary education with hopes of one day being an elementary school teacher. 
Emma says one of her most treasured memories of her time in youth group uh, was her seventh grade welcome, where she uh, went to all-star sports with her big brothers and big sisters, Emma Dunham. Our next graduate is Zach Perry. Zach is the child of Cynthia Perry and has attended Northside for 15 years. Uh, He'll be graduating from Berean Academy, where he has been involved in pep band for three years, uh, track for three years, throwing shot put, uh, as well as participating in their senior play. Uh, Zach has also been involved with work camp and teen camp and Winterfest over the years. Uh, He has plans to pursue, pursue an associate's degree from Butler Community College before transferring to Bethel in Newton, uh, to pursue a bachelor's in graphic design or computer programming. Um, Zach says his most treasured memory uh, was his very first year of attending teen camp because, as he wrote, it made me feel included and it broke my shell of shyness. Zach Perry. Uh, our next graduate is Megan Scott. <clears throat> Megan is the daughter of Hudie and Melissa Scott. She has two younger siblings, Brooklyn and Alan. Megan will be graduating from El Dorado High School during her high school years. Megan has been involved in choir, debate and forensics, as well as SADD club. Um, She has also participated in Wichita Work Camp here at Northside. Uh, Megan plans to pursue EMT certification this fall through Butler Community College. Uh, She says her most treasured memory from being here at Northside um, has been Mr. Harrington being Santa Claus for her. Um, And as far as advice that Megan would like to give to the youth group, she simply says, never question your faith. Megan Scott. Next graduate is Carissa Vestering. Carissa is the daughter of Don and Christy Vestering and has attended Northside her entire life. Um, She has two brothers, one older, Luke, and one younger, Cole. Uh, Carissa will be graduating from Complete High School Mays. She has plans to join the National Guard and be a combat medic, um, but ultimately she would like to become a trauma nurse or even a doctor. Uh, Carissa's most treasured memory of Northside is the day that she was baptized, October 18th, 2010. Carissa Vestering. And last but certainly not least, Kara Weber. Kara is the oldest daughter of Eddie and Tricia Weber. She has one older sibling, Josh, and three younger siblings, uh, Brian, Leah, and Maddie. Uh, Kara will be graduating from Halstead High School, uh, where she has played various sports such as volleyball, softball, and basketball. And she has participated in activities uh, such as Dragon Corps, theater, and student council. Kara has also volunteered her time at the Kansas Learning Center for Health, as well as the Halstead Community Foundation. Uh, She has plans to attend Kansas State University this fall, where she will major in kinesiology in hopes of pursuing a career in physical therapy. Uh, She says her most treasured memories of youth group were going on the mission trip to Minnesota and washing Grace's feet at teen camp. All right. Carol Weber. Uh, at this time, if you would join me in congratulating our senior class of 2018. And at this time, um, I want to invite all of the parents or grandparents or prayer pals to come and join your graduate up here on stage. Y'all can spread out a little bit around the stage if y'all would like to. Parents, prayer pals, grandparents, y'all may make your way up here to the stage. Um, 
we're going we're gonna to surround them up here. And we're going to have one of our elders, Clayton McCullough, is going to uh, to pray over the families, over these graduates, uh, for our church family as we are going through this important milestone, uh, milestone and transition uh, along with these graduates. Um, with Clayton's prayer, he'll also uh, be officially closing out our, our worship time this evening. Um, and, and before he comes up and he does that, um, I do want to say, go ahead and stick around. Uh, after Clayton's prayer, uh, Doug Wagner's going to come up um, and say a, a special prayer as well. Um, but after those two prayers, if you were unable to partake the Lord's Supper this morning, um, and you're going to need to do that, uh, as soon as we are finished here, as Doug finishes his prayer, you can make your way across the foyer to the fireside room uh, for the Lord's Supper. Um, but also... Um, right after that, we'll take a couple of minutes uh, break, and then we will have a picture slideshow. It's about 18 minutes long, um, showing some of the different memories uh, for these graduates during their time in youth ministry. So at this time, I'm going to invite Clayton to come up and lead us in prayer. After that, Doug will come up and close us out. Let's go to our Father in prayer. Gracious, holy, and majestic Father, we... We bow humbly before your throne tonight, thanking you for this day of celebration, thanking you for these seniors, thanking you for these families. And my prayer tonight is that each family, as they go through this transition of sending off a child to, whether it's to further their education or their next step in life, that they will be filled with that love and that compassion and tenderness that only you can fill us with as we go through these changes in life. I pray that each one of these graduates will feel the prayers that will come from this family as, as they do leave and go into this next phase of life. That they will always know that they are a part of this family. They are a part of this church family anywhere they go. And, and my prayer is that as they go out, that they will take your love and that they will shine the light of your glory and your kingdom to all that they meet. And that the statistics that Mike talked about will be just that. Something that we can look back on and, and that we can beat. That these kids will, will walk in the faith that they've been brought up in. And that they will share the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that they will know, as Paul told the church at Philippian, at Philippi, that, that our God, He can do all things. And He is always there. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. 
He will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. And my prayer is that for each one of these seniors, and for each one of us as individuals, that we always understand that. That you are there, you are with us, and you will never forsake us, no matter what we think, no matter how difficult the situation, you are always there to hold us up. We thank you for this celebration. We thank you for the love that was shown in the sacrifice of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.